Hi, I'm Clement Liu, and welcome to the third season of Just Sustainability. In the previous episode, I introduced you to Simone Franco, and we learned a little bit about how he defines leadership. In this episode, we'll learn about the program that Simone created at the University of Minnesota Morris, MLEAD. MLEAD is a certificate program offered by the Office of Student Activities that provides students with opportunities to reflect upon and develop their capabilities as leaders through a series of workshops extending throughout the academic year. Here's what Simone had to say about it. I'm I'm doing the 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 again as we were talking about different cultures. I'm doing the very Western thing of like, oh, it's hard for me to talk about myself and talk about the things right. that I've done. Um, particularly the things that you know I truly believe are are good and and. So the the MLEAD program, the the Morris Leadership Education and Development Program, <clears throat> um, was started. Uh, gosh, now it's going to be five years ago already. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. Um, uh, might even been longer, actually. Well, <clears throat> yeah, it started in twenty. Oh no, it started in like twenty sixteen. Yeah, it's six years. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I started in this position in twenty fifteen, and uh, part of my job was to think about and uh, how to develop a program for students that help them build capacity in leadership. So um, we, the way that I went about it is like, I took about a year of like doing deep dive research on uh, leadership and talking to some people. And this is an anecdote. Um, I, as I was working on this, I I realized that I, you know, again, work and live in a place where people are experts. So Instead of me reinventing the wheel, I'm like, I'm going to talk to a lot of people about this stuff and see and see how they can guide me. And so I talked to um, I talked to a professor here and uh, I, I said, well, so um, I, I've been tasked with developing this leadership mm-hmm. program. And one of the things that he said and, and this got stuck with me is like, oh, OK, well, studying leadership is for crazy people. <laughs> And I was like, well, that's great because, you know, it's my job. Right. So, But uh, one of the things that um, – and then, of course, he went on to explain. And one of the things that actually uh, – this really helped me was to to realize that leadership means many different things for many different people. Right. And even in, within a Western, uh, you know, a, a, a Eurocentric way of thinking and studying and, and knowing things – uh, it can mean many different things depending on the area that you are, right? right? Um, you know, if you if you ask a philosopher what leadership is, the answer might be very different than if you ask somebody that teaches business, right? right? Or somebody that that teaches education or political science or whatever, right? Depending depending the field, the, the lens that you use to look at leadership, right? It's still going to mean many different things for many different people, right? And that is within the same sort of cultural paradigm. Right. So when you add culture and religion to the whole um, equation, it becomes even more muddied and complicated. Yeah. So as I embark on this um, process, one of the things that I decided was, well, I know that there are very specific leadership models, particularly some that were developed very specifically for college students, like the very famous um, social change model of leadership. Right. But I knew that there had to be something else out there. So I started doing a lot of research. And then one of the things that I found was that um, 
Juana Bordas had developed a um, multicultural leadership model, mm-hmm. I guess I would say, uh, on her book, Salsa, Soul, and Spirit. Mm-hmm. And um, so I found that book and I read it. <clears throat> and it was uh, really interesting to see how Juana Bordas sort of took a lot of um, teachings from different cultures and sort of put them together in a way that could be very easily digested and taught to other people. So um, I I decided that I was going to implement that. So mm-hmm. um, thanks to, so, so that was uh, sort of the, the process there, right? But um, so the NLEAD program <clears throat> consists of a series of workshops that students attend and engage in um, for uh, usually throughout a school year. Mm-hmm. And they range from uh, leadership theory, uh, where we introduce concepts of leadership. Yeah. Uh, then we move to two models, which one of them is the social change model, <clears throat> which is seminal for um, higher education. Mm-hmm. And then we study the um, uh, leadership for a multicultural age is what Juana Bordas called her uh, model. Okay. So we use that model as reference. Also, we study it. Uh, then we move to ethics. Uh, you know, ethical leadership is something that is important. Right. Uh, um, and then we move to group dynamics and development. And then we round up the program with um, what I, something that I call praxis, which is okay. this fancy word in, in education that just means moving from theory to practice, right? Right. Uh, and it, it's based on um, <clears throat> theories, uh theories about uh, epistemology and ways of knowing. So uh, what we end up doing, so all of this is to provide students with the background knowledge so -hmm. they can then in the last workshop come up with a plan on how to solve a problem by using their own leadership. Right. So uh, again, leadership for me has to be about doing. So gaining all that, this information is good in in a education for education's sake. Right. But how do you move then into the doing part is also important for me. Right. So this, this is interesting. Right? So like what I'm hearing is that the way the, the program is modeled is it starts with giving students information about like what they should be considering when they're thinking about leadership, thinking about working with a, a group or a community for making change rather than like teaching them specific strategies, right? You're thinking more about like, the broad objectives, like these are the things that you should be attending to when you're thinking about your strategies. Uh, and then asking at the end for the students to like take the skills that they have and sort of awareness of like the, the, the considerations they should be weighing. Plus their sort of lived experiences with like their cultural context and the cultural context of the communities that they're living and working in. And then using that to think through a context specific sort of strategy, something like that. Yes. Um, actually way to go. That sounds a lot better than the way I would have put it, but yes. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, I think, uh, the, the method behind the the madness, as I said, is about getting students to sort of think about the, the skills they already have, mm-hmm. how they use them to influence that change that they're looking for. Right. But also, um, at the end is about, you know, and I, and I have to admit that this is a little bit about project management also, right? Okay. How do you, 
take a project, break it into pieces, mm-hmm. delegate some of that, and how then you continue to uh, keep track of each of those pieces yeah. to make sure that it gets accomplished, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, which which is something that that kind of abstraction, that kind of abstract thinking, sometimes it's difficult, right? When you when you get a, a problem, like let's say, I, I always tell my students like, the problem that you're trying to solve can be something as small as conflict with your roommate mm-hmm. or some some issue in your uh, student organization that you're trying to change mm-hmm. or something as big as world peace, right? Right. The the process has to be similar for, for all of them if you're going to use leadership right. as a tool, right? So then how do you think about the different steps that you need to take? Who are the people that what are the resources that you need? Who are the people that um, can help you with that? Right. Uh, what are the values of this group? Right? right. Think about the group and, and the group's values and how do you then move to achieving that goal by having everybody sort of agree on, hey, this is valuable for us. This is what we value. This is what we care about. Right. Then how do you move from point A to point B? Right. Right. So that's interesting, right? Because a lot of it is – seems to me to be thinking about how to have conversations, right? Like conversations across different parties who need to come to maybe not consensus, but some sort of agreement on how to proceed to make a change that's necessary for the, that group. Um, yeah, I, I would agree that conversation is an integral part of all of this. Um, right. you know, but at the end, I think it's also about, um, you know, the action, right? Right. Like it cannot just stay in the conversation. It, right. It, it has to be like, you are motivating these people to do something. Right. Uh, and I think that that is the, the for me, that is the, the important step. It's like, okay, let's have this conversation. So let's get in agreement that this is important and valuable and we should be doing this. Right. And then let's start the process, right? Right, right. Let's move. Let's continue having this momentum. Building momentum is also important. Right. So, so yeah, so I think, uh, that is for me part of it, you know, and, um, a year or two ago, uh, and I'm g- totally going to butcher this, so I will <laughs> not quote the person. Um, I read an article that was really interesting and it got me thinking a lot about what it is that we're doing and particularly being part of uh, higher education. Right. Um, there's a, um, uh, Oh, I think, Clement, you and I have talked about this, but uh, there is a theorist from Harvard, uh, a political theorist that studies education and equity and diversity and the relationships there. Uh, and one of the. No, what? no, no. I'm just trying to think. I'm drawing a blank on this. We might have talked about it. I can't remember. Yeah, it's uh, Dr. Danielle Allen. Um, and uh, I told you about her book. And uh, Oh, OK. Uh, so uh, one of the things that she studies is uh, about these the the well it was a it was a paper that she produced uh, based on this uh, series of lectures that she gave yeah and one of the things that caught my eye is that she defined it, it was talking about education and equity mm-hmm. right and and diversity and one of the things that um, she concludes, and again, I'm thinking. I think I'm going to butcher this, but what I got from it was that she concludes that um, the the role of education is to develop us as 
language using beings. Okay. When you think about when you think about language as the foundation of um, concepts, how do we uh, you know conceptualize our world? How do we understand it? How do we think about things? That is one way to think about language. But then the other part of language is, of course, about communication. Right. 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 How do we communicate with others? How do we understand one another? So the role of higher of education and particularly higher education is to develop humans as language using beings which then translate to people being able to advocate mm-hmm. better for change right yes people being able to use these concepts that they gain through education to make change to push for change mm-hmm. and i think that that is so interesting and it, and that really stuck with me because as we were talking about right like uh, leadership and, and what I'm teaching people is about having these conversations, but it goes beyond that. It's about developing language, a shared language, a share a common, um, yeah, language, mm-hmm. uh, and, and being able to communicate with one another and we all understand each other and what it is that we want. Right. Uh, again, I think it's, the, it's an emphasis on relationships. How do we build relationships and how do we have uh, effective relationships when it comes to achieving various outcomes that we're aiming at. Talking about Emily, let Simone and I discuss what he thinks are some of the more difficult topics to teach students in regard to leadership. Simone identified two such topics. The first of these, which I don't think I actually grasped during our conversation, is helping students think in a nuanced way about how communities and coalitions should be defined and how to be inclusive but also mindful about who are actually the members of the community that one is serving. Here's that discussion with me, I think, largely missing the point of what Simone was trying to say. Well, and so going back to the question that you asked, I think one of the things about teaching uh, leadership, one of the things that becomes difficult is talking about or fighting against some concepts that uh, perhaps don't mesh very well with um, what we as a society sort of believe and think about. Okay. And and I'm going to preface this by saying that um, these are sort of logical leaps, but at the same time, we have sort of convinced ourselves that things are one way when they, and when in reality, operationalizing that is impossible. Okay. Okay. And I'm just going to leave it there for now. But right. so <clears throat> for example, uh, groups, right? When you think about groups, Yes. Um, in, in our societies nowadays, we think that, you know, we need to be inclusive, right? Everybody should be welcome in a group. Okay. Which is true. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Right. But then um, the reality when you start looking at groups is that for it to be a group, you have to have an in-group and an out-group. Okay. Right? You have to have the people that belong to the group. Right. You have to have the people that don't belong to the group. Right. That is how you define what a group is. Right. So Otherwise, it would just be one big group. Uh, otherwise, it wouldn't be a group. It's just everybody amorphous. Yeah. Right. So um, getting people to think beyond the, oh, but everybody is welcome. I'm like, yeah, everybody is welcome, but not everybody is going to have shared the same values. Okay. And that is sort of where I, I, dry, I draw the line, right? Right. It's about defining what the values of the group are. Okay. So- that becomes difficult because it's a it's a raised, razor edge, right? You're not you're not saying that the group shouldn't be inclusive, right? You're saying that by definition there is an in group and there is an out group, 
Right. Well, actually, and that is okay. Yeah, yeah. So this actually makes me think of something that like I sometimes read in some feminist scholars, particularly uh, eco-feminist scholars, when they're talking about uh, sort of eco-feminist theories, because eco-feminist theories are, I think, foundationally pluralistic. So they tend to like, right, like there's not like you have to believe this specific set of things, but they often talk about it, right? The theories are like a quilt, right? There's a border set by like kind of the values uh, right, the core values of uh, that family of theories, but within that that border of those core values, you can have a right. You you want to have you want to have space for all the different ways that people might think about manifest or like, those values, right? And <clears throat> but I think um, you know, particularly when working with undergrads, it is very important to be really careful, right? And when you're explaining those things, because again, right. it could be misconstrued. Right. Um, just saying, you know, this group shares X number, X values um, can sound discriminating. When in reality, what you're saying is we are deciding that we're grouping under this umbrella. Right. If you want to be part of it, great. If you share the same values, but if you don't, then that's also good. Right. Well, no, no. So, I mean, it makes sense when you're thinking about like, say, building coalitions or building solidarity, right? So, like, say, if you're trying to go, I guess, coming from an environmental background, which is the one I come from, if you're thinking about, like, say, building a coalition to address climate change uh, or, like, to deal with, like, some problem with pollution, you're probably not going to want to invite the the folks that are, uh, right, who have a vested interest in polluting or like allowing for pollution right. or like you know burning fossil fuels right you don't you probably if you're really being serious about resisting climate change you probably don't want to include right uh, a a coal company on the board of that organization right 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 like a representative of a coal company on the board of that because then you're probably not ever going to reduce emissions right yeah yeah so um but but you know th- as I said, these concepts can be seen in a, at the surface as an antithetic, an- antithetical to what we're trying to teach our students, right? Right. Uh, these notions of inclusion and and openness, and I'm not saying don't do that. All I'm saying is, by definition, you have to have people that belong to the group and people that don't, and that is okay. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and I think. Uh, in, when it comes to challenges, I think that's one of the challenges, right? Right. To think about how, think about what does inclusion actually mean if you're, you're right? Like if you're working towards a specific goal, how does, yeah. No. So, I mean, I, I do think that, right, that is an area that people have to be careful and thoughtful about. The second difficulty that Simone discussed with me regards how hard it is to identify how much background and context that needs to be discussed when teaching about leadership, and how important it is to give topics such as intersectionality and its impact on leadership adequate attention. And I was just having a conversation about um, when you're teaching students uh, about steps, right, in terms of assuming prior knowledge and how many steps do you have to go away from the subject before. it becomes too much for students to follow. Mm-hmm. And I think that if I were to do this all over again, one of the things that um, I would think a lot about is that, right? Like mm-hmm. um, I spend a lot of time talking to students and I think it's time well invested uh, 
you know, talking about concepts that uh, I assume they know when the, in reality, a lot of the times they haven't encountered a lot of these areas, right? Right. Um, <clears throat> I'll give you an example. One of the one of the things is that when we talk about multicultural leadership, mm-hmm. um, we talk about notions of, you know, things that most people have encountered, or you would assume that most people have encountered, something like um, intersectionality. Right. right, the concept of intersectionality, and how <clears throat> your identities um, provide, um, you know, a privilege or disadvantage in different situations. Right, how they interact. Right. Yeah. Well, because of my work in equity and diversity, and the students that I worked with at that point in my life. Um, they, uh, I, I assume that students knew what this meant, right? And when the reality is that they, a lot of them don't. So, right. Uh, I do spend a lot of time sort of explaining some of those concepts before we can move on, right? Um, again, it's time well invested because I think these are important concepts that people need to know. <clears throat> but, um, you know, the nuances of of those concepts sometimes can be lost if you don't dedicate enough time to it. Right. So. So yes. Important to yeah, take time. So, what? No, it's important to take time to think through uh, our assumptions that are guiding the way we think about leadership. Most definitely, and I think, um, <clears throat> excuse me. At the end of the day, I think what's important is that not only students gain that background knowledge, but also sort of see how these things connect. Right. Right. Uh, all these are sort of in my mind and, and the way that I go about teaching this stuff is these are puzzle pieces, right? And they all sort of click together mm-hmm. in one way or another. Um, and I think it's up to the instructor then, you know, to develop and make those connections and make them clear to um, to our students. At this point of our conversation, I invited Simone, as I tend to invite all the guests on Just Sustainability, to take the reins to finish up our conversation. What Simone chose to talk about was a question about whether leadership is inherently good or not. Quick spoiler, uh, he doesn't. Here's that conversation. Um, no, actually, this has been a great conversation. But one of the things, as I was thinking about this, mm-hmm. uh, Clement, I ran into you the other day. And uh, yeah. one of the things I was thinking about uh, was uh, leadership as, um, you know, we, we spend a lot of time thinking about leadership as something that is inherently good. Yes. Um, which I think in many ways it can be right. But um, the reality of the situation is that leadership in many ways is a tool. Right? Sure. Right. Um, my, one of my first courses that I took in political science was an intro to political inquiry. And mm-hmm. the professor asked a question of the group and he said, you know, are humans, are human beings inherently good or inherently evil? And of course we're not going to get into it yeah. here. But um, through a lot of uh, reading and thinking, I think I came to realize that humans are inherently nothing. Sure. Right? Yeah. Humans have great capacity for good. Yeah. And they also have great capacity for evil. So, but there's nothing inherent about it. No, no, no. Yeah. So we have choices and so, we're shaped by our contexts. Uh, yeah. We, anybody can turn out any way, I think, for most part. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, so the same thing, I think, applies to leadership, right? Sure. Leadership is not necessarily inherently good. Uh, history is riddled by uh, 
great leaders who, who have bad things, uh, yeah, who have led people to do horrible things. Sure. So uh, I think that uh, you know all this study of leadership should come with a warning label, right? Right. Uh, that is like warning. This is good if you do good things with it. It could also be horribly wrong if you do bad things with it. Right. Which is why I think, right, like, um, when you're talking about Emily, then you're talking about how one of the, the units is on ethics, which I think this is why it's deeply important, right, to think about the sort of values that you're supporting uh, if one is in, is engaging in, in leadership or if one has a form where one can influence uh, the behavior of a, a group or community to be really kind of thoughtful about the responsibility that means and like whether one is working towards outcomes that are right that support flourishing and like well well-being for folks or ones that cause harm yeah yeah right and and so uh i mean you know we talked about social change but we we broadly understand social change as something good, right? We want to change society to do something good, right? But the reality of the situation is that social change can mean many many different things in many different cultures and sure. situations, right? Right. So well, and I, so the same thing. Oh, the same thing with leadership. Right. No, go ahead. Well, no, no, and I think the interesting thing is right. Like, um, I don't think. Yeah, I agree. So social change isn't necessarily good. Societies can change for the better or change for the worse. Uh, as we've seen the last few years, there's some waffling right. on which <laughs> how society's changing. That said, the interesting part for me is I think everybody thinks that they're trying to change the world for better. I don't think anyone sets out to be like, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm just going to fuck up the world. I'm going to use my <laughs> powers to make everything worse. I don't think many people think that. I mean, I'm sure there are some, but like I think the vast majority of times are it's folks like uh, whose vision of, who might be narrow in their vision of the world rather than like malicious uh and i and i think that's the interesting challenge right i need to be thoughtful about like look this is the world that i would like better but is this the world that would be worse for other folks right yeah so yeah i think i think i think you're right i don't think that uh you know anybody wakes up and and they're all of a sudden uh mustache twirling puppy kicking evil right and right uh, that that uh, unidimensional characters that we see in some of those silent films, right? Uh, when they put the damsel on the on the train tracks, right? Right. But but I think we have to be really careful, right? Like with with this concepts. Um, yeah. I was browsing a, a a catalog that came on like my Facebook for like Audible. Okay. And there are all these like you know dark psychology books that you can listen to, and I'm like. Why? Wait, dark psychology. Um, okay, you had to say more of this. Dark psychology. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's about uh, how to manipulate people, right? Oh. And it's like, really, there are actual books on this subject. Yeah. Again, I don't, I, I don't, uh, I don't believe in banning any kind of knowledge, but uh, I, as a consumer, I was like, okay, no, I'm not listening <laughs> to this, right? Yeah. Uh, this doesn't align with my value system, so I will not. Right. Um, but I think we have to be really careful, right, when, and thoughtful about what it is that we're trying to accomplish. And and the reality, as I said, if I go back to 
the definition of leadership I subscribe to, mm-hmm. there's no value judgment in it, right? It's not like you are influencing a group of people to achieve a good common goal right. or a bad common goal. It's just a common goal. And and that's where it gets scary, right? Because it's then a commentary on society and, right. and in groups. Right. Why do these groups believe are and, and, you know, we have seen what some fringe groups can do with some of these uh, fringe theories. And, and then this or um, I mean, not even fringe groups, right? Like, uh, I think entire societies have in the past been well-intentioned, but really terrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, something your listeners uh, may not know about me. I'm a I'm a big nerd. <laughs> um, so. I'm listening to these uh, books called The Rivers of London. Okay. It's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting series by Ben Aronovich. Okay. And in it, uh, you know, they are wizards and, and magic and stuff. And one of the characters says, uh, you know, there's an old school wizard that calls uh, evil magicians, they call them dark magicians. Okay. Um, but but his apprentice is a person of color. So he's okay. uh have Sierra Leonean. So he's like, you know, that's, that's kind of an insulting term. <laughs> so then they come up with ethically challenged magicians. Right. So, so I think that we have, you know, leaders and then we have ethically challenged leaders, hey. not to call them dark leaders. Right. 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 Uh, and I think, uh, and of course there is a, in that, in that proposition, there is uh a value judgment as to what is good and what is bad. But um, I think at the end of the day, anything that helps people, um, you know, to, that to, to make a more equitable and more responsible world is always uh, a good thing. Um, And um, to tie it to um, the, the main topic of, of your podcast, which I feel like I I have uh, hijacked a little bit, um, you know, uh, issues of, of, of sustainability are both large and small in scope. Okay. Right. In, in many ways, um, we can have an effect and an impact by doing the things that, um, uh, by taking what we need instead of what we want. Sure. Um, and giving back as much as we can. Sure. So, so I think that, in that, if we can find a group that shares those values, right, we can actually make change through our own leadership. And I think that that is what I want to teach people. And that's what I want to teach students right. about leadership, that it is about how you apply these concepts and it is about how you use your skills right. that actually make you a leader right. at the end of the day. And the the common goal, what you're trying to achieve is going to be your legacy and your result, right? Right. <clears throat> so, yeah. So yeah. So people never ask me about that stuff because I guess I hadn't thought about it until recently. <laughs> but, um, but it is, uh, it is an interesting idea, right? To mm-hmm. think about leadership as a tool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then how to use that tool in ways that are, are responsible and actually supportive of like good, like general good, right? Right. And, and again, I mean, just like everything else, it can mean good can mean many different things to many different people. Right. Right. And Um, yeah. So I guess it would also include being cognizant of that and uh, 
right? Responding to that. Right. And, you know, I, I've, uh, I've, I've spent a lot of times, a lot of time thinking about, um, you know, larger issues, uh, related to society. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning, I, I come from Venezuela. I'm originally from Venezuela and I was, um, I saw the decline of my nation. Um, and I have spent a lot of time sort of thinking about how did we get to that point and what are the things that, um, could have been done to prevent some of these things. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, a loss, a, a loss of values, uh, of course is, um, is first and foremost. And of course, I'm not talking about traditional values because that's not, you know, what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is, uh, you know, we lost trust in our institutions. We lost our, uh, social, uh, institutions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see some of that same erosion happening now in other places. And, and that's really scary. Right. And mm-hmm. we need, we need leaders to stand up to that kind of change. Right. As, as we were talking about, Societal change can be good and can be bad, mm-hmm. um, and it's all about how we operationalize that. So, let's think uh, a little bit about that, right? Um, you know, I, I think a lot about um, do we do we continue to have institutions that we can inherently trust, right? right? That that um, are that, uh, in fact, actually serve the the good of of people, right? Right. And and then if you think about it, I mean, what are some of those institutions, right? Like uh, education, for example, and and of course we can do a whole another episode about uh, education. And 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 one of the things I realize always is that we never get to the bottom of that debate, particularly when it comes to education. Sure, you know, you have one you have one side talking about education is just you know it's indoctrination. Sure, and and another side saying. You know, education is not indoctrinating people enough to where we want them to be. Right. Um, and never come to the fact that we're not talking about whether education is indoctrination or not, because education is, in my opinion, indoctrination. What we're talking about is the doctrine that is being taught. Right. Right. So, so we never get to that point because we spend a lot of time yelling about something else. Right. Um, and when we lose sight of, um, you know, what really is at stake and what it is that we're talking about. Um, we, we're not communicating effectively, right? Um, we go back to that idea of language using, mm-hmm. um, which I think is so important and we need to push more and more for that. So, um, I'm going to leave it at that yeah. Clement, because otherwise I can, you know, again, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, I'm going to spend a whole nother hour just talking about random stuff, but yeah, no. Uh, I think this is a might be a good place to stop. I think we had a a wide ranging conversation, uh, and I think uh, you've given us a lot to think about when it comes to uh, leadership, how to teach leadership, what leadership means, um, right? How to think about leadership in, in ways that are supportive of you know uh, of good outcomes. So, yeah, I, I think that would be a good place to to, to wrap up. We've arrived at the end of another episode of Just Sustainability. In this episode, we learn more from Simone Franco about leadership and the MLEAD program. Please join me again on the next episode of Just Sustainability, when I'll introduce you to Ray Burns, who's an old friend, former colleague, and a leader in Indigenous education within the United States. Mm-hmm.
Thank you for listening to Just Sustainability. If you've enjoyed what you heard, please support this podcast by subscribing and leaving a review. Just Sustainability is recorded with the support of the Institute in the Environment at the University of Minnesota. In particular, I want to thank Peter Levin and Beth Mercer-Taylor for all their help with this show. All the music on Just Sustainability is composed and recorded by Clifton Nesseth, and all the artwork was created by Kristen Nesseth. Thank you again for listening. Thank mm-hmm. you.